You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone. It's time for another episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. Before we start, I just want to say Happy New Year to all of our listeners. We're starting 2022 off right with Stat Boy Steven joining once again to talk about the Rangers suddenly being able to beat playoff teams recently. Always a pleasure to have you on, Steven. Happy New Year. How's it going? Yeah, Happy New Year to you and everyone listening. Best wishes for 2022. And uh, yeah, Rangers off to a good start. They haven't lost in, in the new year yet. So, mm-hmm. Love to see it. You love to see it. So obviously we had um, three games. We played Tampa Bay twice we played them right before right on uh, new year's eve played them we won in the shootout and that was where gallant flipped out at the referee at the end i guess we'll talk a little bit about that we beat tampa bay first game of 2022 where mika gets the hat trick we win four nothing shesterkin stands on his head and then against edmonton even with georgiev in net we hold mcdavid and dry scoreless and strom gets three points and we pick up a 4-1 win so i mean not much you could complain about we even got zach jones in the lineup now um i don't we don't know what's going on with patrick nemeth they say it's like non-medical so i don't know maybe a personal issue or something whatever it is i hope he's okay uh but i mean it's great to see zach jones in the lineup what do you think yeah this is what ranger fans have been waiting for ever since the season started of course um it's unfortunate that we needed some COVID protocols and a personal leave of absence to to finally get him in the mm-hmm. lineup. But yeah, I think he's looked good. And I think Ranger fans are happy with what they've seen so far. Oh, yeah, um, I am definitely happy with it. And, you know, I, I was saying like it was going to take something like this, unfortunately. That's just how I felt like yeah, for him to uh, get in the lineup. Vince Mercogliano saying that uh, Nemeth should be back with the team soon. Uh, he just tweeted that out. Um, let's see. What did he say? I have it here. Gallant just said that he's expecting Patrick Nemeth to join the team at some point on this trip. So that's something. Yeah. So we don't know if he's going to get back in the lineup. Jones has to like play out of his mind, basically. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think my audio switched off there. There you go. Um, yeah. Look, Jones is playing well, um, but when Nemeth comes back, he's going to be back in the lineup. Um, even if Jones is playing better than Nemeth, um, this is the, this is what happens when you have a veteran against a, against a rookie. The rookie really has to outplay the veteran uh, substantially for him to, to keep to, to keep his his position on the uh, on the team. So we'll see what happens, but. I really like the Jones Lundqvist pairing. Um, I know they're both smaller guys, but I think that pairing is better than any pairing I've seen with Nemeth so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I've been complaining a lot about Libor Hayek, but I think the last couple of games, Libor Hayek has played himself into being the per- the, the the perfect candidate for the seventh defenseman on this team. Not bad, yeah. I mean, he's. I don't think he's... So far this season, I don't think he's worse than Nemeth. Uh, a lot of people just like to uh, dunk all over Hayek for being a bad defenseman. Oh, he is. Uh, not, he's better than Nemeth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if I agree with the the Hayek over Lundqvist decision in, the, like, the previous game. I mean, maybe if it's just for, a couple, for, like, a game or two, fine. 
but I really, I really like how Jones handles the puck, like especially in the the offensive zone. He carries it so smoothly, like he's feel he seems so calm with it. He's not like nervous, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's he's not afraid to make a mistake or cough yeah. up the puck, give it up, or uh, make a turnover. Um, I really like what I'm seeing from Jones. I hope he keeps playing like that. Yeah, and and uh, like I said, it depends on what what Gallant is expecting from his team. Um, but when you look at this team and and the team's future, it's clear that Lundqvist and Jones have a future on this team, mm-hmm. and Nemeth and Hayek long term are not going to be on this team. So, do you want to sacrifice their development by by playing a defenseman who's not necessarily an upgrade? Um, I don't know. Uh, but on the other hand, I know that coaches sometimes revert to what they think is, is the better option. And and fans don't always agree with, with what the coach wants. It happens. Um, but yeah, Jones has, has earned at least a couple more games with the way he's played. And I also think Lundqvist has, has earned his, his spot on this team. He, he hasn't been, I mean, he hasn't been as good as Moritz Sider in Detroit, but if you if you put Lundqvist up against Libor Hayek, I, I think it's it's pretty. I think most people will agree that that Nils Lundqvist has been better than Libor Hayek. I'd agree to that. I would. I'd agree to um, that for sure. And the yeah. one point that I always see, yeah, one point I always see brought up is size, and I get it. You know, the NHL used to be a league where size was really important, but it's just not the case anymore. You know, uh, two years ago we had a rookie pairing with Lindgren and Fox. Lindgren was six foot and Fox was five eleven. Um, that worked out, and and that was when we had Neil Pionk and uh, and and the Angel on the team. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as if we um, or sorry no, um, Pionk wasn't on the team anymore. We had but, D'Angelo. Uh, yeah, uh, D'Angelo was still on the team then. Um, so yeah, Brady Shea, who isn't a a defensive, uh, you know. He's in great defensively. Was still on that team as well, and yeah, we were fine, you know. And and at some point, you just have to go with your best players. And um, I think that Jones and Lundqvist are just better players with the puck, and they're not worse without the puck. If that makes sense. Um, gotcha. When people yeah. talk about size, it's great. It's great when you have size, but when you look at a guy like Patrick Nemeth or even Libra Hayek. Yeah, it's nice that you're three, four inches taller than than Jones and Lundqvist, but when you're when you're too slow to get to your opponents, what's that size going to do for you? I I think that size argument c- could come into effect, like in the playoffs. If anything, I think for the regular season, it's fine. It's eighty-two games. We're still tr- trying to groom our players to be good. Well, but then worry about it in the playoffs. Right? Yeah, then worry about it in the playoffs. Because- exactly. This team is still not a contender. Yeah, we are we are one of the top teams in the regular season, which is great. We also were one of the top teams in 2011-2012. <laughs> that didn't make us a contender because that team didn't have didn't have the experience to go far in the playoffs. And neither does this team. Woodrow um, mm-hmm. has won two cups. Yeah, that's great. He was a third liner. Uh, all due respect. Sammy Blay on the fourth line in St. Louis won a cup in a season where he he wasn't even. He didn't even play every game. Um, you take that away. What do you have left? You know, you have Panarin, who who joined Chicago after they won their final cup. You know, mm-hmm. they had a couple of first round exits. 
Uh, I think they won around with with Columbus when they beat uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. But most Kreider's Abenejad have made some deep playoff runs. Kreider for sure. But I yeah, mean, of course, of course, Kreider is is the most experienced player on this team. But this season has always been about getting your team that experience in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. if you get to if you get to the playoffs, are you That's, going? Yeah. Are you going to play Nemeth over Zach Jones, knowing that Zach Jones is is a future defenseman on this team? We talk all the time about these players gaining valuable experience. Why would you then bench them in the playoffs? It doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. This team, this team is like I said, this team is not one trade away from being a contender, but they're on the right track. Yeah, they're still, in my opinion, they're still a year or two away from really going for a cup, which is fine. They're still, if compared to the Boston Bruins and the LA Kings, they're still on track. If you compare them to the Blackhawks and the Penguins, they are ahead of schedule compared to those two. Uh, this team is fine. This team is fine where it is. Just make sure that your future player, the players that are playing a future on this team, that those players get, get the experience. I like what you said in your space, in the spaces. I forget which game it was after, but you were saying that the the goal of this season is to make the playoffs. Anything after that, get to game seven, get to the second round, whatever it may be, is gravy. Gravy, yeah. Ma- yeah. Making the playoffs is my expectation. Whatever you do in the playoffs, that's just that's extra. Right. You know? It's like, like the, if, you, if you get to game seven in the first round, I consider that a success because yeah. that's, that's great experience for this team. Obviously, if, you want to win, but, I mean, yeah. I get what you're saying. Exactly. Just getting um, to that point is a big deal. I want this team to get at least three wins in the playoffs because that'll get you either to game seven or to the second round. You get at least three wins Mm -hmm. and anything, anything on top of that, that's just extra. You know, you just, you take that and run. Um, Just make the playoffs and don't get, don't get embarrassed. You know what I mean? Put up a fight, please. Don't get swept. Yeah. And like I said, you know, this team is not there yet. They, they missed the playoffs for the last four years. Last time they were in the playoffs was 2017. Mm-hmm. You're not going from missing the playoffs four years in a row to winning a cup. It just doesn't happen. And don't count the uh, play-in round. That was a best of three. It doesn't, that's whatever. They, 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 weren't, they weren't in the playoffs when the best six teams were left. That's yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, it's a preliminary round. It's like a wild card round in baseball. Did you really right. make the playoffs if you lose in a wild card round? Yep. Yep. You play 162 games and then just an extra game. It's basically just game 163. That's it. That's exactly. all, all it is. It's preliminary round. It's it's great if you make it, but it doesn't really it doesn't really count to me. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, this this season is going to be important on, on how these young kids develop. And I just want to see Jones and Longquist do well. And if Jones and Longquist if you play them in game one of the playoffs and they are overwhelmed, then sure, go for it. You know, mm-hmm. and play Hayek with his experience. Uh, for all I care, you throw Tenorti in there. But at least give them at least give them a chance, at least give them that experience. Because Nemeth and Tenorti and Hayek are not going to be on this team in two, three years when we're really contending. Right. And speaking of youngins, young kids, um, Last episode, I was we were kind of calling out uh, Lafreniere 
Um, I was going to keep track of how many times he actually touched the puck, and I still haven't done that, but I'm going to try to do that in this game. But he's been paired with Strom and Goudreau because Panarin is on uh, COVID protocol, mm-hmm. and uh, he looks pretty He looked pretty good. I think he works really well with Strom. Dating back to last season, when, when he played on that line with him and maybe Panarin, he worked well with Strom. And Goudreau is, is kind of turning heads right now. Maybe it was because he played Tampa Bay and sparked the fire under him or something maybe, like that. Maybe it's because he got a Stanley Cup ring. Maybe it's got – yeah, exactly. Maybe it's because of that. But, I mean, Lafreniere has been playing really well with, with Strom and Goudreau. We want to see more production like that. You know what I mean? When yeah, Kako and, and Lafreniere take that next step forward, I think that's when the team takes the next step forward. Yeah, yeah and, and Lafreniere is playing with Hedl and Gauthier, and with all due respect, those two players don't really generate anything. Right, as of, of now. In the beginning, it was fine. In the beginning, I really liked it, but now it's kind of simmered down. I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, putting Lafreniere with Strom um, just goes to show you how good Strom actually is. Yeah, because um, for years we've heard that he's just a product of Panarin. He's a little bit more than just a product of Panarin. Uh, and Goudreau, I still think Goudreau is our best option to center the third line. That would be, um, I think that would be good. What would that be? Hang on one second. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so with Dryden Hunt being uh, uh, taken out of the top six, which was long overdue, um, now Goudreau is, is playing right wing in the top six, but I wouldn't mind swapping him and Hedl. Try Hedl on the wing, see what he can do, because he's clearly not ready to play the center role in the NHL. And Goudreau on the third line, if you put Goudreau in the middle with Gauthier and Lafreniere, I think that can work really well. Yeah, I think they tried Hedl and, and Goudreau, if I'm not mistaken, in the preseason. They yeah. they. they paired up Goudreau and one of the youngins in the preseason. And I really liked it. And then Goudreau took the match penalty and it ended in like five minutes, like that whole like experiment. Yeah. But I really liked what they, what they were doing. Um, But if Goudreau could keep playing the way he's been playing, I think a lot of Rangers fans will change their opinions on him because now really is the time where his value starts to show. Like when you get towards the trade deadline, towards the playoffs, that's the kind of player he is. He's one of those guys that's going to be there at the end of the at the end of the season mm-hmm. rather than at the start of the season. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see what's going to happen with this team moving forward. Uh, is, the games are going to get tougher now. Um, uh, but yeah, we've played four games against playoff teams. We won the last three, so that's definitely a positive. I still think this team has a ways to go. Yes, they they won three in a row. But the way they won those games is not necessarily sustainable, still, in my opinion. Right, yeah. Up. Tampa Bay, we Shesterkin yeah. was, like, on his head. We gave up yeah. so many shots. And then the first game against Tampa Bay, you get gifted two goals by Brian Elliott. Yep. Um, the game against Edmonton, Mikko Koskinen uh, gets a delay of game penalty 15 seconds in. <laughs> I think he conceded the first goal on the second shot. So you get a little bit of help from their goalies. Uh, your power play is red hot, which is a good thing, but your power play being red hot masks other deficiencies. Um, their goaltending is great, their power play is great, but they're scoring a lot of goals off of turnovers and off the rush. And if that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, I'd say. I not mean, a bad thing. A- if you 
if you have that on top of decent uh, five-on-five play. But if you look at the teams we're playing, they are able to enter our zone, set up, and put the pressure on for 20, 30, sometimes 40 seconds. Get a couple of shots on goal. Mm-hmm. But when the Rangers enter the zone, and if people have a stopwatch, you just, just, you know, just, just check. How, how long, how many seconds do the Rangers have possession the moment they cross the blue line? Especially when it's not like Panarin or, or Mika out there. When it's like, when it's yeah, like yeah. Heedle and Gauthier. Most it's, of the times, it's, 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 it's less than 10 seconds. Most, and this has been, I agree. Design. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Like maybe this is why I never see Lafreniere with the puck. Like before he started this little streak that he's been going mm-hmm. on, it just felt like I never saw him with the puck. And I guess it's because his line doesn't sustain enough offensive pressure, offensive zone time, which is why I want to talk. I want to count how many times he has the puck. And I mean, it's definitely going to change now that he's in the top six. I mean, he's one of the guys, so Mm -hmm. yeah, but have to rely on him. Pay attention when we play the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Um, When the Vegas Golden Knights enter the zone, just count how many seconds they have the puck, you know, how they set up their offense. They're passing it back and forth. They get a couple of shots. They 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 gather the rebound and they reset. And when the Rangers get uh, enter the zone, most of the time, what you see is they either dump the puck, go on the forecheck, and lose it, or they get one shot. It's smothered, and you get the face off. Mm-hmm. There's no, and that's the thing. There's no sustained pressure. So our defensemen are are tired after these long shifts, but our opponents are never put in that situation unless we're on the power play or unless we pull the goalie of a half a man advantage, our opponents are never really pinned down in the zone. And that is still an issue because that's the type of play that wins you games uh, when you get to the end of the season and go into the playoffs. So I want to see more of that. Five again. Yeah. Five V five offense is the, is the key. However many weeks ago was it like a problem before the COVID break, the Christmas break, it was a problem. We yeah. would only score on the power play and it's still a problem. Yeah. Like I said, you know, the, the, the scoring on a power play and stellar goaltending has really masked that issue. Georgiev, since Shesterkin went down with injury, Georgiev's save percentage is 0. 0.940. That's good. Jeez. For a backup. Yes. So we're getting great goaltending from both our goalies now. Mm-hmm. Um, our power play, Chris Kreider, Chris Kreider alone has twelve power play goals. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. The second, most, the second most in Rangers history after thirty-four games, trailing only Marcel Dion in nineteen eighty-eight. How many games have we played so far this season? Like less than forty, right? Uh, Thirty. I think we're at thirty-four now. And he's already at twenty goals. So yeah, that's incredible pace for him never before has he ever had something like this like Kreider I think he had like 18 goals after 35 a couple of seasons ago and and then he he went and then ended with like 28 probably cold but I think so yeah yeah but he in the final what 48 how many games do we have left 38 no wait 44 games now we have 48 games left so basically the shortened season in 2013 that's the amount of games we have left Mm -hmm. all he has to do is score 10 goals 
to get to 30. So if he scored 20 in like 40, what was it, 44 games? I think he's on pace for 57 at the moment. 57 goals, 75 points. Wow. 57, 75 points. That's so funny. My gosh. (laughs) No, sis. The the franchise single season record for goals is 54 by Jeremy Yager. Yager, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the last time a Ranger had 60 points, a Ranger that re- we drafted for us, a forward, was Tony Amonti in 1993. I, I, I actually looked this up and compared it to the other teams in the league. I excluded the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas I think I saw. I think I saw this. I think I saw this. You put all the other teams or like a good portion of the teams and it's just like we're the only one with like one player in the past it, however it's many It's basically years. 28 teams in the last four years had at least one of their forward draft picks put up 30, 60 points for them. The last time a devil's uh, draft pick put up 60 points for them was Patrick Elias in 2012. So you're already going back five years from 2017. And then at the bottom of the barrel are the Rangers who haven't had that since 1993. How have they like skated by all these years without that and like had some amount of success over a five-year period? Yeah, it's not that we didn't have players hitting 60 points. We had Gabrick, who was a free agent signing. That's uh, the thing. It was free agency and trades. Free agency it wasn't. And trades. Yeah, Zuccarello was an undrafted free agent. He hits. Yeah, Zu- yeah Zuccarello, of course. Um, of course, Yager in the trade for Anson Carter back in 2004, he hit uh, in his best season with the Rangers 123 points. Michael but, Nylander was a signing, right? Free agent signing. Yeah, yeah. I think he had 62. Um, but like I said, there, we have not had a Rangers draft pick score 60 points for us among forwards since Tony Amonti. JP Miller, if you look at 60-point seasons for other teams among forward pro- prospects we drafted, there's JT Miller, I think, two years ago for the Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. And after that, you have to go back all the way to 2009 to Mark Safard. Oh, my goodness. So even, even, if, even if you include players putting, putting up 60 points for other teams, the only player in the last 10 years to do it is JT Miller, and he only did it once. Unreal, man. I, I just – it baffles me. The, the, the forward progression, like – I mean, I really hope – out of all the guys that you have on your wall there of jerseys, Lamb, Othman, Korshak, Berard, Kodorenko, like I really hope one of those guys can make it into the lineup. We have a lot of guys that have potential. Will Cooley, yeah. too. They all have potential to be that guy. I mean, and, and you know, okay, so there are two players who actually could have hit 60 points if they played a full season. Uh-huh. Three, actually. There's uh, last season, Pavel Buchnevich, uh, but there were only 56 games in the season because of... Okay, the yeah. But he was on pace for 75. Uh, 2013, the shortened season after the lockout, uh, Stepan had 44 points in 48 games. Yeah, that was a good season for him. He played really and well. And in, I think, 2001 or 2002, Mike York was traded when he had 57 points. <laughs> that season. So 
we were close a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, we haven't had that since Tony Amonti. And Chris Kreider could be the first one in 28 years. Wow. That's the first Rangers draft pick among forwards to hit 60 points for us in 28 years. Chris Kreider could do it this season. Um, oh, that would actually be 29 years because it was 93. Yeah, sorry, 29 years. Jeez. Wow. Okay. All the way back to Monty, 93, like seven years before I was born. Man, that's that's nuts. How? How do they do this? Like, it's it just... Because, it, because this team... Look, part of the reason is this team never went through a full re- rebuild. Um, yep. Part of it is just bad luck with drafting. You're drafting Pavel Brendel fourth overall. That type of player in that position should get you a 60-point season. Um, Alexei Sharapanov, who tragically dies during a game. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, so we've had some bad luck, but every team has bad luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every team has this high draft pick that just doesn't work out. The Tampa Bay Lightning had um, Brett Connolly drafted in the top 10. That's right. Never turned into anything. They drafted Jonathan Druin third overall. Never had 60 points for them either. So it's a little bit too easy to say, yeah, you know, we were just, we just had bad luck. The Washington Capitals, was it uh, Sasha... Poker lock, a top five pick. You know, every team has bad luck. But the Rangers, there has to be one team that has the longest drought in certain stats. And unfortunately, in this one, it's the Rangers. So let's hope Kreider can, can end that drought this season. He's on, he's, he's on, on a tear. And if, if our power play can stay hot, and yeah, I want our even strength production to be great, but that doesn't mean I'm not happy with our power play mm-hmm. production. And let's not get it twisted. I know last time we went on a winning streak, people were calling you out because you were saying that, you know, we were playing against easier teams, easier competition. And you're saying, you know what I mean? And now like we're kind of doing the same thing. Things are good right now. Of course, we're happy that they're winning, but I mean, there are flaws. There are things, there are weaknesses that can be exploited by the opposition on the Rangers and five V five production is one of those. So yeah. again, don't get it twisted. We are very happy that the Rangers are, are getting yeah. these wins, but I get what you're saying. I, I fully understand. And that's something I'm going to pay attention to tonight for sure. Uh, yeah. Of course, this is Thursday. We're recording before the uh, golden Knights game mm-hmm. in Vegas. Uh, so we'll see. We'll have to, we'll have to see. Hopefully Zibanejad can keep scoring at a, a torrid pace. Like, man, finally, you know what I mean? Like he's he's going yeah. off right if now. You, if you compare it to baseball, would you rather have two players hitting a home run, or would you rather have eight players uh, getting a base hit? Oh yeah, eight players getting a base hit. Yes. Or, or in football, would you rather have three completions by your quarterback for seventy-five yards, or would you rather have twenty-five first downs? 
Ooh, yeah, 25 first downs. Because ultimately that's going to lead to goals. And that's that's the, the, the thing with the Rangers. Yeah, power play goals are great. But ultimately, I want them to create offense at even strength because even strength is the majority of the game. Mm-hmm. Even strength is 90%, 85 90% of the game. That's where you need to create your offense because the more shots you get, ultimately, the more goals you're going to get because your shooting percentage will stay roughly the same. They just need to create more scoring chances. And as a result, they'll get more goals. And those goals are more sustainable. They're easier to project. They're easier to build on. They're easier to to get into your system. But when I see Lafreniere score two basically empty net goals because the goalies give up the puck behind their own. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for the kid. And good on him that he's in position, you know. You have to be in the right in the right position to get that puck, but those are not goals that are going to happen every game, mm-hmm. and that that's my issue. If you create twenty five scoring chances at even strength and you score three goals, that's something that you can recreate. That's something that you can build on. That's something where you can say, "All right, we created a lot of offense. We got three goals out of it. Great. If we just keep doing this, we're getting our chances. We may not win every game." but our, our chances to win those games goes up. Right. There's have- something, there's something there. Like there's yeah. something to build off of. Like you're saying, like, let's yeah. keep this going. Let's keep doing whatever we were doing. Obviously whatever we were doing yeah, was working. You had a lethal power play, but you play three games in a row where you don't get any power plays. That's going to, yeah, that, that's going to kill you right there. Right there. Are you going to score a power play? And that's why even strength scoring chances are always the best indicator for success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to take into account everything, like all situations and stuff like that. So if you're, if you notice that you're, I mean, obviously it's great. You're scoring goals, but when you see, when you notice and pay attention to the fact that it's only on power plays, if you take that away, what do you got? You got nothing. Who was the guy that always returned kickoffs and punts for the Chicago bears? Devin Hester. Devin Hester. Never won a Super Bowl. (laughs) But he, he returned the most kicks for touchdowns, I think, in, in NFL history, or at least he's up there. He was famous for it. Like, that was his thing. It's, exactly. That's his thing. And Kreider's thing right now is scoring on a power play. Right. Right. But, you know, the Chicago Bears didn't win every game because Devin Hester was, was returning those kicks. You mm-hmm. still need your quarterback to get you first downs. You still need your your running back to 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 gain some yardage. You still yep. need that consistently throughout the game, and that will put you in a position to win the game. And that's just what I want from the Rangers. I want them mm. to to enter the zone, set up their, their offense, get a couple of shots on. And, you know, if you pin them down in their zone for 30, 40 seconds, if you get that opportunity, put some fresh legs out there. Keep the pressure on. Because that's how you tire out your opponents, and that's when goals happen. Because that's that's the type of offense that's sustainable, and that's what I want to see. In the right. meantime, I'm going to be very happy when they win games. You know, I'm not like I said, I'm not rooting against them. I'm not upset that they win. I'm just not thrilled with the way they're winning. That's all. Right. You notice what's going on. Like you see Lafreniere scores a wide open goal. I saw the other night. Okay, yeah, Lafreniere gets a goal. I'm like, yeah, Lafreniere got a goal, and then I saw the goal, and it was just like the goalie literally gave it right to him, and I'm yeah. just like. Uh, that was not yeah. spectacular. It's like David Beckham in soccer. He only <laughs> scores from free kicks. <laughs> right. 
Right. And he, he was famous for it. But it didn't always win, win them the game because you don't always get those free kicks. Free kicks in soccer are like power plays in hockey. Mm-hmm. Great when it works, but it's not something you can anticipate. Right. And I think, I think like Lafreniere and Kako can help contribute to that. Like they're skilled enough where they could make a move at the blue line to enter the zone. I, I feel like, I really feel that they have that in them to be the ones that set up the plays, but I want to see Rangers, it. Though. The Rangers are already better at it than they were a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, under David Quinn, this was, this was just like a team playing in the all-star game. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was, there were some great goals and I will never forget Zibanejad's six point game because I, I think that was the first time any Ranger did that six points in a single game. And I think he had a hat trick in a period. Um, two years ago, he had the five goal game against the Capitals. Yeah, great, great. Amazing. D'Angelo with his five point game for a defenseman against the Devils. Those are really games that will stick with me for years because of how special those moments are. It's great. But the other reason those games stand out is because other than those games, it wasn't very exciting to watch this team. This season, at least they're exciting to watch even when they don't win. The on-ice product is good. Yeah, that game against the Florida Panthers that they lost, it was entertaining. It was, yeah, it was a great game. I mean, I was upset with the ending. I was upset with the third period, but I mean... They played, they played as well as they, they could have. I mean, a solid 40 minutes, and then Florida is a good team. You know what I mean? And, like, and, and look, you're not going to beat every playoff team you're going up against. But when I, when I brought it up a couple of weeks ago, the Rangers' record against playoff teams was 3-8-2. Was and two. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're at 5, uh, let's see, sorry, 6-8-2. and two. Okay, so I mean, so they're getting better, or yeah, six, eight, and three. I think. Anyway, they're getting better against playoff teams, which is great. And these wins are wins you need. I'm just not convinced that this team is going to. If they're going to be buyers at the deadline, I don't think it's a good thing for this team because, like, if you can get a player for the for the third line, if you can acquire someone like Kevin Fiala, who can solidify your third line. Great, go for it. He's more of a longer-term solution, I feel like. Yeah, or Warren Fogle, who plays for the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, yeah, yeah. I get, I get, yeah. So, like, you're looking for someone that's more long-term. So, if you went for a guy like Hurdle, you're not just going to get him for one year. You're going to get him. You're going to try and keep him for a little bit longer than a year. But if you for the half year, sorry. Yeah, but if you give up a first-round pick and 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 a good prospect just to to get Phil Kessel for two months or three months, Mm, yeah. That's not going to make this team a contender. Right. I think, yeah. I think we could use a player like Phil Kessel. But I just I don't want this team to give up uh, future assets just for short-term gain. Do we could look at it like the 2011-2012 team and say, like, okay, at the deadline, they barely made any moves. They'll, what was the one move they made? They traded for John Scott. That's it. They, didn't, they kept their first-round pick. And that was the last time they kept it. We went all those years after until like 2017 without a first rounder, right? Yeah, so, we, we, we gave up the 2013 one for Rick Nash. That's yep. 2014, 2015 for St. Louis. Yep. Uh, and the 2016 20- for Yandel. For Yandel, yeah. 
Um, and you know what? In in that scenario, like 2012, the offseason 2012, you make the conference finals, right? Um, and you go out there and you get Rick Nash, who is under contract for six more years. He is the face of the franchise in Columbus. He has won individual trophies. Um, yeah, in hindsight, it may not have worked out as we had hoped, but because you're acquiring what you need. You acquired a top-line forward who can score goals. It was a guy that won the Rocket Richard in his second season, I think. Yeah, um, he was like a three-way he, tie, I believe. Yeah, he shared it with, I think, Kovalchuk and Iginla. It was very yeah. Definitely with the Ginla, and I believe I think you're right, Kovalchuk probably. Yeah. Um, so that, that that trade made sense, you know. Yes. And then, yes. And then, and then the following year, after the shortened season or during the shortened season, you you trade away Gabrick, you get Derek Brassard and John Moore and Derek Dorsett. Those moves all made sense, but I don't see how how this team is one or two trades away from from being a contender. Not yet. No, no, no. Because 2011, 2012, like our, the makeup of the roster was a little bit different. Like we didn't have guys like Kako and Lafreniere. I I don't think, I don't like younger 18, 19 year olds, 20 year olds that were there. We had guys that were a little bit older with a bit more like Dubinsky and Nisimov was, was more, more along the lines of like a Buchnevich or a Kako. But I mean, he didn't turn out to be, that he was good for us. I think Stepan was the Stepan and Delzato were the youngest players on that team. Yeah, yeah, Delzato and yeah, exactly. Those were the guys that were probably the closest to yeah. to what we have right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think the team, like as it is right now, like that superstar player we already have, per se. Like mm-hmm. we're just hoping they take the next step forward. Yeah, I mean the Chicago Blackhawks in two thousand seven in 2008, um, didn't, didn't make a big splash at the deadline. In, 20, in 2009, in the offseason, they went after Marion Hosa. Mm-hmm. It was a great move. It's one of the reasons they got three cups. Uh, the LA Kings acquired Mike Richards and Jeff Carter. They, yep. they, they didn't give up uh, like prime assets to get a rental. They got players who could contribute for years. And they were both, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter were there for both the 2012 Stanley Cup and the 2014 Stanley Cup. So that's basically my point. If you're going to give up assets, like if you're going to give up a first round pick and Matthew Robertson or maybe Brandon Othman or Will Cooley in a package, please do it for a player that's under contract for a few more years. A player right. that can contribute for more than just one postseason. Right. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I was kind of unsure about like wh- whether or not I wanted them to make a move at the deadline. Um, but obviously I wouldn't, I, I always felt like, you know, do it if the price is right. Like don't give up like mm-hmm. Jones or Robertson, yeah. you know what I mean? If it's just for yeah, a guy yeah. that's a if, rental. If, if you can get a bottom six player as a rental for a third round pick, go for it. I'll take it. The Boston Bruins uh, gave up a third-round pick for Nick Holden. The New Jersey Devils, the year uh, – I think it was the year Taylor Hall won the MVP. They gave up a second-round pick for Michael Grabner. Yeah. yeah. You know, those are assets where you can go, all right, we're going to go for it. The, the Dallas Stars with Zuccarello 
a second yeah. and a third, a second and a third round pick. Uh, that same offseason, Gustav Nyquist and uh, Ryan Dezingle were traded for, I think, a second and a third. Uh, Marcus Johansson was traded to the Boston Bruins in 2019 for a second and a fourth, I think. If you want to give up a second and a third or a second and a fourth for a player that's that's going to solidify your bottom six, then sure, go for it. I just don't want to give up a first-round pick for a rental, and I don't want to give up one of our top prospects for a rental. That's mm. all. I don't want to. I don't want to be in that situation where you, where you trade away a player for a guy that's only here for a couple of weeks, and then you see that player flourish and break out somewhere else. To me, to me, like who we get with our first round pick doesn't matter. Just as long as it's not another defenseman or a goalie. Like, just give me a, a forward something. I, I, I'm, I don't even need it to be a center because this player based on where our draft is going to be ranked, like our position, it's not going to be a top 10 pick unless we just decide to lose every single game from now until the end of the season. It's not going to be a top 10 pick. Like, so just, and that player is not going to be in the, if you want to, yeah, if you want to trade your first round pick in the off season, sure. Because then you're going to be acquiring a player that's going to be here for at least a year. Right. 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 Longer than that. And that's a trade I'm on board with. But I just, I don't see, like, the Chicago Blackhawks in 2015 gave up a first-round pick for Antoine Vermette. Mm-hmm. He was a rental. He won a cup with them. He, he was traded from Arizona. In the summer, he went back to Arizona. It was a win-win for every party involved. The Blackhawks got their third cup. Vermette got his ring. Uh, and the Arizona Coyotes got a first-round pick and a got Vermed back two months later that mm-hmm. was that was a trade that worked out for everyone but the Blackhawks also had two previous cups they were one of the best teams in the league so in that situation that makes sense the team that should make a move like that is the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Colorado Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights if, if those teams who have been contenders the last couple of years at the deadline if they want to solidify their team and give up a first round pick it's a gamble but at least it's a gamble I can understand if right. They Those you're, they're hoping that their team is good enough to be their first round pick is like 29 to 32. You know what well, I mean? You have a more solid foundation on those teams because those teams already have their deep playoff runs. Right. Right. You're not getting a player that's going to immediately crack those into teams, your lineup with that first round pick. Yeah. Those teams have a lineup that has the experience, but is still young enough to use that experience for years to come. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Washington Capitals, they have tons of experience, but they're 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 getting really old, so that's, yeah, that, that's risky. But the Colorado Avalanche, like I said, you know, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they want to get over the hump. That's a team that I could see trading trading away uh, a first round pick, maybe a, a future first round pick to to really, you know, uh, add some some extra talent because mm-hmm. they have to get through Boston and Tampa to get to the final, right. Uh, Pittsburgh is probably and, one of those older teams like Washington, I'd yeah. say, right? Well, I've been I've been talking about Washington and Pittsburgh falling off a cliff for the last five years, and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I, I know, because Ovechkin and Crosby are just so damn yeah. good, and they keep yeah. the team on their backs. Like, Yeah, but a team like Toronto makes a lot of sense to, to go for it at the deadline, because they, they also have Florida they have to go up against. So that division is yeah, – we talk about the Metropolitan Division – but the Atlantic division is very top heavy. 
You know, that one's getting packed too. Yeah, yeah. Detroit's Detroit's up and coming too, actually. So their bottom four teams might not be great, but their top four teams. Okay, so the Detroit Red Wings is, is is I think an interesting comparison. I don't see the Red Wings trading away their first round pick at the deadline. Nah, not yet. No. And I know the Rangers are a little bit further in their development, a little bit further in in their build, so to speak. But I think the Red Wings and the Rangers are in a similar spot where it's just not beneficial to go for it at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I've I've made up my mind. I don't want the Rangers making moves at the deadline unless it's a no brainer, like it's a second round pick for someone that's going to be really good yeah. that could help us. One year rentals, I don't need. If you can, if you can get Warren Fogel, if you can get Warren Fogel for a second round pick and a prospect, go for it. He's signed for I think three or four more years. I'll take I'll take that any day. Because imagine a third line with Lafreniere, Fogel, and Goudreau. That's pretty good. Is he? He's a center, right? Uh, yeah, I think he plays center and right wing. But Goudreau can play center on that line. Um, so. I'm just, that's just a random name I'm throwing out there because the Rangers were linked with the Edmonton Oilers because of Georgiev. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if the Oilers want to give up a second round pick or a third round pick for Georgiev, you can turn around and maybe make a second trade with it. Hedl and Gochi, I feel like that would be the two guys that could be used as bait, like as Definitely. assets, trading chips. I think, I think Hedl and Nemeth are the prime candidates to be traded in the offseason. Because of yeah. their contract, you know, that's it's 2.3 million for Hedl, 2.5 million for Nemeth. Um, and I think Nemeth has a limited no trade clause uh, where he can yeah. block a trade from eight teams. Yep. yep. So that's yep. basically the seven Canadian teams and then one random team in the US. Um, that still gives you 23 teams you can trade into. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, doesn't and, have a clause, and and those are that will clear up about three million. I think if the Rangers want to get rid of Nemeth, like Hayek, uh, Jones, Lundqvist, all those guys have to play like way better than like what Nemeth was ever capable of on the range because I I really don't see like Drury bailing on the the deal the contract he just made him he offered him so early you know what i mean like i feel like he's too stubborn something about it makes me feel like okay there's no way they're going to move on from him this quickly just like it took forever for jones to get into the lineup because they wanted nemeth in there and it only took it, it took an injury or something something personal to happen for jones to finally crack the lineup because they value the size and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, but, something's going to happen for, before in they the get summer, In the yeah. summer, they're going to need the cap space to re-sign Kako and Strom. Okay, yeah. And I could see them definitely wanting to keep Strom. I definitely see, see that happening. If you, if you have to choose between Strom or Hedl, it's an easy decision. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One is actually contributing in the top six, and the other one is struggling on the third line. Right. Um, and you can replace Hedl. You can put Goudreau uh, at center on the third line. Uh, you can add Kraftsoff to the lineup. You can maybe put uh, Hunt on the third line. Um, you know, you, you can have Lafreniere, Gauthier, and, uh, and, and, um, and Goudreau on your third line. You can maybe call up Morgan Barron. You know, there's options there. You know, you have flexibility there. there you, 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 can, you can play around with that a little bit. Would it be 
would Hedl get more value if we traded him at the deadline or in the offseason? Or would it be the same? Um, I think in the offseason because I, I don't see general managers looking at Hedl as, as an addition for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. In the offseason, it, it can work because I think he only has one year left after this season. So they can go straight into negotiations for an extension if they want to. Or you could trade him at the deadline to like a rebuilding team for like a couple draft picks or something like that. But I don't know if you want to do that. You, you, you would trade Heedle for an established piece on a team that's, that's rebuilding. Like. Yeah. How's Dallas this year? Uh, oh, they've been all over the place. Okay. Well, I mean, but, but uh, Pavelski is, is a name that some fans have been throwing around. I don't think that's a solution because you know, talking about a rental. But yeah. again, if you can get if you can get Pavelski for a third round pick, maybe a conditional. Love the player, but he's just a little too old. Yeah, but make make it a conditional third round pick, and then it turns into a second round pick if you make it to the second round. Yeah, that's the big the condition. Conditional picks are like the 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 thing nowadays. Yeah. So yeah, and they 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 um they changed it up a little bit a couple of years ago. Conditions are no longer allowed for contract extensions, but for performance in the playoffs, it's still allowed. So mm-hmm. give up a third mm-hmm. round pick for Pavelski, conditional that turns into a second if you make it to the second round. I'm okay with that. Like I said, it, I'm, I'm not I'm not against the Rangers being biased at the deadline. I just don't want the Rangers to give up prime assets for rentals. They can give up prime assets for long-term investments, or they can give up uh, mid-round picks for a rental. Those two scenarios, I'm fine with. Would the Rangers, is Kravtsov's contract coming up in the offseason or no? Yes, his entry-level contract expires this this summer. So what would they have to do? I I don't even know what the deal would be with that. How is he doing? How's his team doing? And how's he doing in the KHL? I haven't even. Uh, His team qualified for the playoffs. So he's going to be there until at least mid-February. Okay. Um, I know that there have been reports that there are talks between the Rangers and uh, the Kravtsov camp. So the player and the agent. So we'll see what happens there. But it's in the Rangers' best interest to 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 fix that, that broken relationship. Yeah, if you for trade sure. him in the, if you trade him in the offseason, what are you going to get for him? A second round pick? Is that really the best you can get for him? And I, there's two possible scenarios that I'm hoping for here: either a Jonathan Druin scenario where he plays for us for a year, performs really well, builds up his value, and you trade him for a better piece, because that's what the Tampa Bay Lightning did with Druin. He put up 50 points in a season, and then they traded him to Montreal for Mikhail Sergachev, who was instrumental to their two cup wins. Mm-hmm. Imagine the Tampa Bay Lightning without Sergachev. Imagine if they would have cut bait with Druen straight after they had, had an issue with him. And oh, that'd be, sec- that's a big, that's a big blow right there. That's a huge yeah. like piece of that defense right there. Exactly. So they, you know, Eisenman decided to suck it up, you know, um, and then and then give give the kid a chance to to build up his value, and then they, they got a really good piece in return. And the other scenario I'm I'm hopeful for is a Puliyarvi scenario. Jesse um, Puliyarvi a couple of years ago specifically said he will never play for the Oilers again. 
That's how bad the relationship was. That's how fractured everything was between him and the Oilers. He literally said, I'll never play for the Oilers again. And look at him now. He's playing with the Oilers. And he's playing for the Oilers. He's in their top six. He changed to a new number. You know, you get a fresh start. Um, I will. I prefer those two scenarios over a scenario where they trade him now for a second round pick. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. I don't want it. That's why I, when I saw the reports of him, of the Rangers looking for or like teams offering a second round pick, I was saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Like that's just that would just be the ultimate sad ending to yeah. the, the whole saga. Uh, I have his stats pulled up. Am I correct in saying he has 24 points in 49 games this season for Tractor? Who, Kraftsov? Yeah. No, I think that must have been that must have been last season. It's a hockey reference. Oh yeah, it was last season. Yes, 2020, 2021. Yeah, Elite Prospects. That's that's the site to uh, to use, man. Elite Prospects. Okay. Elite Prospects is is great. That was last season. Okay, so what has he got? Let's he has see. six goals and seven assists for thirteen points in nineteen games. How does that compare to like other guys? in this year you know what i mean oh like, yeah uh, um so he's a little bit behind panarin and kuznetsov and he's ahead of kaprizov uh but kaprizov kaprizov okay. ended that season really strong i think kaprizov had 36 points in his final 39 games um, wow or his final 32 he was he was around a point per game for the remainder of the season how many game how many games uh, does he um, have I, my expectation um, that I would have to check. How many games have they played? They've, uh, I don't even know. They've played many. 46. I think are 60 games this season. So 14 games left. Okay. So oh. he'd have, he'd cap out at, uh, 33, 33 yeah. games. If he gets 25 points in 33 games, I consider that, uh, that's, that's meeting my expectation. So he's got to get 12 more points in the last 14 games. Doable. So, yeah, it's doable. I mean, if he goes on a, on a tear for a couple of games where he has a point per game for like a week or two. <sighs> yeah. But we'll see what happens. I mean, he's in, a really good team in, in Russia for the first time in years, a really good team. Um, they're, they're one of the top two teams in the league in terms of points. Um, so, yeah, they might go on a really long playoff run too. But mid February, mid February is like the minimum. He'll yeah, be playing, so the so. playoffs start in February. So assuming every series they play go to, goes to seven, yeah, a first round exit would have a season end mid February. A second round exit would be early March. A th- uh, a conference final uh, exit would be mid March. And if they make it to the Gagarin Cup final, it'll be. Uh, in April. Sorry, sorry. It will be end of April. End of April. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll have think, to see. I think I think the the last day that's scheduled for the playoffs is mid-April. Uh, but then, you know, you still need to pack your bags, come back to the U.S. Who knows what the situation is around that time? Maybe he has to quarantine for a week. So, um yeah, he might he might be back in time for the playoffs. Um, imagine him joining the Rangers for a playoff run like Kreider in 2012. That would be sick. Imagine what a story that would be. That would be sick. I would I would love that. I I, I really hope everything works out with him. Honestly, I hope we don't have to trade and, him. And 
like and, and Kravtsov this year is only one year older than Kreider was when he when he came over for that playoff run. It's only a one year difference. We're seeing we're seeing the parallels here. The the parallel universes. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing. That would be the best deadline acquisition the Rangers can possibly make. Yeah, yeah get Kravtsov back from yeah. Yeah, so on, like on it. No, you're right because we wouldn't have to give up anything. What a Ross, a, a line, a spot in the lineup in the in uh, a forward spot. Yeah, sit a couple games or whatever, and let the kid play. Yeah. Uh, so just, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But um, but I'm 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 excited for the Rangers to be competitive again. Um, yeah. And they've exceeded my expectations so far. They're ahead of the schedule. They're they're ahead of the the the, the schedule that I put out. I always thought they were going to be trying for a cup in 2024, but maybe, maybe they can do it a year early. They can maybe after a successful postseason this year, next year, they can make a deep run next year. If you can make it to the final four, anything's possible. That's true. This yeah, year, yeah. The Rangers in the playoffs would have to go up against the Carolina Hurricanes, the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not as no, I don't think that's as stiff as like Boston, Tampa, Florida, Toronto. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But still, it's those three teams and the Penguins and, and the Capitals have have experience. You know, they have each have a, a generational player on their team. Com- compared to a couple years ago, like I would have said that was crazy. Like the Rangers would never be able to do that. They get the, the floor wiped with them. But this this year, I think it would be a lot more competitive. Yeah. I won't say that I could guarantee a, a win, a serious win against any of those teams, but I will say it won't be a sweep. It will be no. a fight. And if you if you go up against the Carolina Hurricanes, you can take them to seven games. If you can take it to game seven, and just just go for it. Man, just leave yeah. it all out there in game yeah. seven. Whatever happens, whatever happens, who knows? Do you think the Tampa Bay Lightning expected us to be to beat us in Game Seven in 2015 when we had a team that that just won the President's Trophy uh, with Rick Nash yeah. who scored 42 goals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a team that just acquired Keith Yandel? Yep, and they shut us out. And they shut us out in Game Seven. Anything can happen. So. That still breaks my heart to this day. <laughs> yeah, a few things about that series. Uh, game seven, but also giving up 12 goals combined in games two and three. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yep. Those were those were huge. That, if, those were, and that was and honestly, that, that's probably the only postseason series. That's the only postseason series where I can put blame on Henrik Lundqvist because if he played decent in, in one of those two games, not even in both, if he plays decent goaltending in one of those two games, we didn't even go to game seven. Yeah. Um, they probably could have won game three. That was the overtime game. Yeah. And Kucherov, I think the the OT goal was weak. Yes. It was Kucherov. It was a shot from like the blue line, I think. Yeah. yeah. And it was, I mean, it, it, it felt like it was going in slow motion, even in real time. Yeah. 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 Man. Oh, but man. yeah, let's, let's rough. get Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk right. about that. No. You have anything else to add before we, we wrap it up? Um, let's see. Um, well, interesting to keep an eye on the OHL um, because they have a lot of games postponed at the moment. Uh-huh. 
if there is a scenario where the OHL uh, goes on a hiatus or even cancels the remainder of the season, we could see Will Cooley and Brennan Hoffman uh, for the Wolfpack for the remainder of the season. That would be cool. That'd be interesting. Um, because in that scenario, I expect the OHL to uh, make a similar deal with the NHL as they did last season, where players who aren't eligible can, can play because, the, because their season's on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, you can't just be sitting around doing nothing. And honestly, I would love to see what Hoffman can do in the AHL. He's not eligible to play in the AHL until 2023. So a shutdown of the OHL would actually be a blessing in disguise for him. Just so we can see what he can do at the pro level. He played pro a year, year early. Switzerland, uh, in his draft year, played in, in the Swiss League. Um, and when you, look, when you look at him in the OHL, it, he doesn't have anything left to prove. You know, he's carrying his team on his back. He's second in the league in scoring. I think fourth in the league in points. Um, I think he has like 20, 15 or 20 points more than the second highest scorer on his team. So it's, it's a one-man show in Flint. Uh, but he's having a great season. Um, I think Hoffman, there's four players to be excited about that aren't yet in New York or Hartford. Mm-hmm. Brandon Hoffman, Will Cooley, then Brett Burrard, who's in college. Yeah, um, the Providence Friars and Ryder Korzak's having a really good season in the WHL for the Moose Jaw Warriors. Um, I think he's the last couple of weeks, he's 74% on faceoffs. Um, I think Cooley to me might be the, the most interesting. I, I liked him seeing like the prospects game, um, in like during preseason or around that time. Um, he, he looked really good to me. I think Cooley is the closest to being NHL ready out of those mm. four. Um, so that's, that's someone to keep an eye on, but it's just, it's exciting for the Rangers to have all these forward prospects yep. for the last couple of years. All we've talked about was defensemen. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. There was and then there was Lundqvist and then there was Miller and then there was Robertson and then there was Jones and then there was Schneider and Hunter Skinner was floating around in that conversation a little bit. Um, and now all those players are on the contract. They're either in New York or in Hartford. Yep. And I remember saying for the last two years, we need some forward prospects. And what do you know? All those defensemen yeah. signed. And now all we're talking about, the four top prospects in our organization that are currently in juniors or college are all forwards. Yep. So and uh, They're starting to get signed, I'd say, right? Starting to get um, the ELCs. Yeah. Altman and Cooley are already on the contract. Yep. But they're entry-level slides. Uh, Korzak's not yet signed, and Berard is in college. He cannot sign. Uh, so if you play in college, the moment you sign your entry-level contract, you're not allowed to play in college anymore. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think with I think they might sign Korzak this summer, and I have him in Hartford because he's old enough to play in Hartford next season. And Berard, I think they're going to sign next year because um, his younger brother Brady Berard is playing for the for the Providence Friars next season. And, um, yeah, the, the Berard family has, has close ties to the Providence Friars. His dad is the general manager. His mom, I think, played field hockey for them. Um, so for Brett Berard to play for the Providence Friars with his younger brother, Brady, that's probably a dream come true. So I think he's going to stay in college for one more year after this season just to make that happen. All right. All right. So exciting on the forward prospect front for the Rangers system. Um, 
we'll keep an eye on the Rangers 5v5 production, and I will try and count how many times Lafreniere actually touches the puck in a game. We'll have to see. And then I want to compare it to when Panarin comes back and see what happens. So it depends on where they slot him in on the line. Yeah. But that'll be an interesting experiment. I'll, I'll tweet my findings on Twitter. Also, yeah. make sure you guys join uh, the Twitter spaces after the games. Usually Steven or, or myself will start one, and uh, we'll go and talk about our thoughts on the game, reactions and stuff. We'll give you our thoughts. Good time. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, you know, tonight against the Golden Knights or maybe later in the week when they play the Ducks, the Sharks, the Kings, keep an eye on, on when this team enters the zone and, and, and just time how many seconds they have control of the puck. Because that's very telling that. of yeah. how this team is doing offensively. I will do that. I'll try and do it. At, I'll try and do it as much as I can. Yeah. Like on, on here. I'll, I'll see what I'll have to try and format it in a way. I'll, I'll take a look. All right. But again, thanks for, thanks for joining. Uh, first episode 2022 is in the books. Uh, thanks for hopping on again. Anytime. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Stay tuned for more New York Rangers info by visiting boysandblue94.com and our Instagram at the boys and blue 94. See you all next time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.